Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> We're tonight's entertainment. Look at my butt. Oh, look at my front butt. Absolutely. And I'm your producer, host, and the person who to blame if you don't like the show, Stephen. Oh, you don't like the show? Then why the hell do you still listen? Ron Keogh. <laughs> I thought it was in my contract. If people don't like the show, they would blame me because it's in my contract. No, your contract's been revised. <laughs> oh, okay. Thank you. And hello, everybody, and I hope you've had a good week with all the stupidity that we've seen in the news this week with uh, our president saying that the coronavirus doesn't exist and Bernie Sanders going to do a political rally with public enemy. (laughs) I kind of like that one. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, really. And just all and just all kinds of stupidity going on. We thought we would bring real news back, so we're bringing back a segment. We don't have the music queued up because uh, the producer overslept. No, I didn't. Yes, she did. No, you did. No, <laughs> let's act about schizophrenia. No, let's not. Okay. Uh, yeah. And here we go with the one. We're bringing back the one, the only, Carl Kafer's <clears throat> swing of the week. Do 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 do. Hello, everyone. Um, and this is Carl, and this is swing of the week. So both of these, I have to give a nod to the wonderful Tom Hartman. 
who has been a, a swing provider for many, many years. Uh, he's now in Abilene, Texas. He used to be in Chicago. Love you, my friend, because these are absolutely gems. So the first one we're going to talk about is you have hemorrhoids. You, you know you have hemorrhoids, right, right Stephen? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So <clears throat> there are people that found this on the net, believed it, and decided to try it. So people are actually putting frozen potatoes in their anus. Now, luckily, I did check this, it's not a whole fucking potato. Okay? Now, it's they, they say to slice it, freeze it, and then you put it in for 30 seconds, and you take it out, then you repeat and repeat. And uh, so, so that's what it is. Now, to me, I think the first question is, what do you do with the potatoes after you insert them in your anus and take them out? I would hope you don't fry them up. Or I would just say, not a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> not a good idea. However, what I could tell you is, Basically, what they say is insert the frozen potato slice in your anus and leave it inside for 30 seconds. Repeat the process for three to five days. The next three to five days, leave the slice inside for 30 seconds more each time. So if you do this, you know, you could be putting in a sliced potato for a good two, three minutes into your anus and then taking it out. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to smell that potato after that. Yeah. I really don't. Um, so the, the article goes on, and, and, and they have a doctor, uh, Dr. Diana Gall, a leading online medical service doctor for you, who basically says this is a bunch of bullshit. However, one of the things that the article goes into is, well, let me put it this way. However, frozen potatoes are not the only novel hemorrhoid treatment being circulated online. Some people have also praised the power of CBD oil and treating the condition. Now, if you're going to go on the Internet and make a decision between frozen potatoes in your ass and uh, uh, CBC, CBD oil, which, is, of course, comes from marijuana, um, I would opt for the marijuana. Now, that's a kind of a novel way to insert it into your body as opposed to smoking it. But you know what? Give it a shot. That's the one I would recommend. You could go on the adult site, and they have these little things they call ice fingers, which are basically little thin pieces of ice that you insert in you for... Sexual pleasure. Right. So you could do that and do as the instructor say, take a little mineral oil on it and insert it in your anus and you would get the same effect as the potato without sticking a potato up your butt. <laughs> this is the cooling effect. 
that's there. That's yeah. the point of it is the cooling effect causes your hemorrhoids to shrink. Yep. That's true. And, of course, you know, regular uh, uh, things like fiber diet and taking warm baths and things like that certainly help, too. Okay. So so we would opt for, for doing the more normal thing. But, you know, if you want to try the marijuana, I'm okay with that. You know what the scary part what? is? What? Someone actually went and took the time to do the research. There's someone well, I just did research like, on it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all the research they did, I mean, I'm talking like, oh, what size thing would fit up my butt? Can you freeze it? How frozen do you need it? <laughs> someone actually worked out the variables to this. That's the scary part. <laughs> this is true. This is true. But you know what? I will tell you this. That's not my favorite swing of the week. It's not. You know, but my favorite swing of the week, again, comes from Tom Hartman. Thank you, Tom. And I'll just give you the the, the uh, headline. Southside Chicago man allegedly carjacked vehicle then immediately drove it to court for another felony case he was implicated in. I want you to wrap your head around that for a moment. You got to go to court. There's public transportation. Just, just, and then you think, okay, well, the best thing I can do is carjack something, go to court, and that. So basically, the way it goes is the Southside man allegedly pulled off a Tuesday morning carjacking, then used a freshly hijacked car to drive himself and his alleged accomplices to his 9 a.m. felony court appearance. He didn't, he almost made it. Police said he and two juveniles lured a Juliet man into a carjacking trap via an online dating app. Fleming held the victim at gunpoint. 17-year-old male punched the victim in the face, and all three sped away with the man's Nissan Ultima around 8 a.m. Then Fleming, who was free on affordable bail after being charged with felony possession of a stolen Motor vehicle last. So he took the car that he hijacked to go to a felony court thing of hijacking another car. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't think that's the smartest thing in the world to do. Seriously. I mean, it's insane. So what do you think about that one, Stephen? That's a good one. I mean, that one goes into the America's Dumbest Criminals book. Oh, absolutely. One of my favorite stories from that book is there was this once, and he and uh, he was this uh, guy was on trial for mugging this woman, and the woman was up testifying, and the prosecution attorney said, "Ma'am." Do you know, are, he said, ma'am, is the person who mugged you in the court today? And the defendant, in all of his intelligence, raised his hand. <laughs> that would be me. <laughs> so, so the prosecution did the only thing to do. 
Your Honor, I would like to put it on the record that the that the defendant raised his hand when I asked the said question. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, That's it's probably like the only way he knew how to get around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, this 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 one's crazy. I just find it amusing as heck. Not for the victim, but 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 nonetheless, stupidity reigns in this world. Don't kid yourself. And it wasn't was it Florida? No, it was Chicago. Oh my god. <laughs> it was Chicago. Sorry, Florida. <laughs> Usually, no, that wasn't takes Florida, me. man. <laughs> yeah. It's sad. We don't have a Florida story, and we brought it back. <laughs> no, we don't. And the frozen potato one, just for the record, came out of Wales. Yeah. And I thought I was the one who gave you the frozen potato story, Carl. No, actually, that was posted a couple days, or or at least a day before you talked to me about it. Yeah. I'd already seen it. The frozen potato story was so good, we had to bring it back. I mean. Oh, absolutely. You know, sometimes we need to resurrect the dead. And that's a good thing. But something, a story is so good. (laughs) This is true. I'm still not... Thinking it's as good as the uh, Amish porn, but it's close. No, that one's the best. <laughs> I will never understand why we have these medical treatments for certain ailments, and you will always see online or offline back then quackpot, crackpot cures for it. Oh, absolutely. Like, even today, you'll still see people wear copper bracelets and rings to help with their arthritis. Well, my my dad was in the copper industry, so we all had those. We all had those back in the day. They don't work. Well, I'm not saying they don't work. We just did it. He was okay with that because that, it was making up... his company money. Yeah. So, you know, that's the way it goes sometimes. Yeah. When it comes up to when it comes to things like that, I want to bring I always go back to that uh open that old skit, old routines that uh Steve Barton did. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? No, I don't know which one you're talking about. Man, I just took the greatest drug last night. You know what they told me it was called? A placebo. Oh, uh-huh, right. Yeah, he spent ten minutes talking about how the placebo made him trip. <laughs> <laughs> Cute. And for the record, a placebo is a fake pill. Yeah. Oh, did you see that uh, Ranker put out a list of the top 20 comics, Carl? Uh Uh-oh. Yeah. Stand-ups? Here's the thing that you're going to be pissed at. Your boy Bill Hicks was like number 12. Uh, Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, no. And Lenny was 15. Which is bullshit. I actually saw that. It's yeah. like, what the fuck? Seriously. Putting Sarah Silverstein on best comics list? I like her, but no. There's a lot more out there. Yeah, her gimmick is that she's a sweet, cute, little Jewish girl who says the word fuck. It's more than that, but but, uh, yeah. It is more than that. I'm just talking her gimmick. Right. I mean, let's talk about who's not on the list. Belzer's not on the list. Bullshit. Well, take a look at at, at some of the, the 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 standard people. Henny Youngman not on that list. Yeah. Uh, Dangerfield no. is on that list. If I remember, Dangerfield is on that list. If I remember. Yeah, correctly. at number nine, which I would put him in the top five. For me, he'd be probably bottom ten. He'd be like about seven. Yeah. And Don Rickles in number 11? Oh, Rickles. Rickles is fucking awesome. Seriously. Rickles is awesome. You may not like his comedy, and that's fine, but he's fucking awesome. No one has, no one has ever been able to <coughs> do insult comedy like Rickles did. Oh, and, and the thing is, the thing about Rickles, it's not just comedy. It's that he was able to do it where everybody was okay with it. Nobody was really offended. Yeah. And it's the way he does it. Like the one where he's yeah. insulting blacks and he said, for any of you who think that the blacks are offended, no, no, they're not. You know why? Because if I offended them, they would be waiting for me out back, and they can beat the crap out of me. Exactly. And Rodney was the king of was the king of self deprecation. Oh, absolutely. There's nobody better with self deprecation. But you know what? When you come to that list, let me just make this clear. If I were to put the the the, the um, uh, you know we have the four presidents up on 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 South Dakota. If I the four greatest comics and the four most influential, you might disagree with number four, but you're not going to disagree with the top three. And that would be Lenny Bruce. That would be Richard Pryor. Mm-hmm. That would be uh, uh, what's his name, George Carlin. And the fourth one for me. Is Bill Hicks. You know, you might argue Bill Hicks. That's fine. Okay? No. Uh, But no. Go ahead. No, I wouldn't. To me, my top six would be uh, Bill Hicks at number six. This is no ranking, just the six. Uh, Number five would be Don Rickles. Number four would be Rodney Dangerfield, not only for his jokes, but for his young comedian special. Oh, man. 
what he did in that is absolutely amazing. Yeah. Number three, the top three is no doubt, and that's Bruce, Carlin, and Pryor. You may mix mm-hmm. up what order you put them in, but it's Bruce, Carlin, and Pryor. Now, I, I, I think I disagree with you on one comic, because wow. I told you four, okay? Mm-hmm. The one I put at number five, now that I think of it, is Robin Williams. No, Williams he's too much fucking of a joke amazing. thief. He stole too many jokes. Well, you know what? You know, you are influenced, uh, but, but the, his work was very, very much, you know, an extension of Jonathan Winters, who I just love. Let's for a second until we get to our main topic. Okay, fair enough. We'll table. We'll get back to it. Okay. But, yeah. I wish, that's one thing HBO has never released that I wish they would, is that would be, I would buy it a DVD box set of uh, the Rodney Dangerfield Young Comedian special. Oh, I'd buy that in a fucking heartbeat. Yeah. I mean, hell, we wouldn't even have Hicks if it wasn't for that. No. Let's see. Uh, Hicks, Robin Williams, uh, Eddie Murphy, uh, Sam Kennison. Hell, anyone who is a top lead comic (laughs) in the 80s. Even those that weren't. I mean, take a look. You you remember the one... uh, with Robin Williams. That was the first one. You know who else was on that? Who? who I think did just as good as him, if not better. Oh. Tim Tamerson. Oh, yeah, Tamerson. But, yeah. The 70s and the 80s were an exciting time to be a comic fan. Oh, absolutely. But as... With every cool thing, it gets overdone and overused and over blah. But yep, that all, but that's another story. And going to the box office this week, number one with great freaking reviews, and I have never heard any of it called U two. Everyone I've heard that's seen it just says the lead actress kicks ass. It's creepy. It's scary. It's done right. And that is the new Invisible Man movie. It made twenty six million. Yeah, I just got an update on that. Uh twenty nine million. Twenty nine million, million on a seven with seven million dollar budget. Yeah. And think of they give a good invisible man with seven million dollars. Yeah. And they spent all yeah. that money on the mummy. And it was shit. Yes it was. Yes it was. But yeah, I mean it's sad that 
if I was going to put my top three movies of the year so far, every one of them would either be VOD or limited release. Yep. Uh, yeah, I agree. And the best movie that you've seen so far this year, it would have to give about 20 more theaters to be called a limited release. Right. And that, of course, is is a color out of space. No, I'm talking about the Terrence Malick film. Well, yeah, yeah, Hidden Life. Should be. But that actually movie. came out last year. Uh, or was that released this year? I'm not sure. Uh, I think this year. Well, it was so small. Like I said, it should have been called a hidden movie. Right. Exactly. It's one of those movies that the release was so small that I wouldn't be surprised if Malik himself drove up to the motherfucking theaters and took the reels out of his goddamn trunk and brought them in. <laughs> yeah. Yep. But it's interesting. Um, you know, we were talking about Bloomhouse the other day on the phone. And you say you were saying that Bloomhouse is getting too big for its britches. And yet here's Jason Bloom and Bloomhouse partnering with, with with uh Universal. When this was originally a Johnny Depp idea, it was gonna be budgeted between eighty and ninety million. Bloomhouse came in, ta- uh gave him the pitch, did this film for seven million and it made him thir- nearly thirty million. On the first weekend. He's doing it right, Stephen. He is definitely doing it right. Yeah, the reason I brought him up is he did this interview where he was moaning. He's like, oh, the horror films are dying out. Oh, the horror films are dying out. Well, stop spending $30, 20000000 million on a fucking movie. Yeah, seriously. And, 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 and Leigh Wannell, who, who gave us a saw... Movies and then came up with Upgrade, which I still have not seen, which I have to see. Yeah, even Vic, you love that one. Yeah, yeah, he came up with a great idea for it. Uh, We're arguing whether or not it's a Me Too film, you know, whatever. But everything I've heard has been really good about it. So it doesn't really fucking matter. You know, so so good yeah. for them, man. Seriously. But yeah, I mean, the Fantasy Island reboot. I've uh, how did read that do? Spoilers. There's a couple of good twists in it, but the main plot thing is stupid. Okay. Plus, oh, I'm no sorry to hear that. <laughs> true. Very true. Deep lane, deep lane. Well, I prefer, motherfucker, I'm the star of this <laughs> show. You understand? People watch because of me, not because of you, you Corinthian leather-smelling bastard. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, 
I still wish we love that, her. Yeah. We love her, Bill Shez here, by the way. We love him. But yeah. Absolutely. And the Colorado Space did come out on Blu-ray this weekend. I finally got it, and good God, you were right, Carl. (laughs) You really didn't mention how ritualistic it is, but that's just family. No, it it, it really is something. Um, You know, I mean, when, when we talked about it, and I think I also said it on a podcast how much I liked it. It it it's so good to see Richard Stanley back. I mean, seriously, it is so good to see him back. And the black guy who plays the surveyor, the narrator of the story, he's fucking good too. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Very good film. Very so good much film. Little business there that I love it going mm-hmm. on. Agree. And it has alpacas. <laughs> yeah, and it even has an alpaca lips. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. I had to go there. <laughs> Yeah, it starts out as this creepy domestic drama where something bad's happened that they ain't talking about, and it doesn't even involve the cancer. They're just, you know. And then yep. it morphs into like sort of like a bizarre John Carpenter's The Thing, and then Stanley gives you a cup of water and says, oh, just drink this. It's all right. <laughs> and then, you drink it, you then you're like... Taking a acid trip to the last quarter of the movie. <laughs> I would hate to see how those fucking trippy ass visuals during the last third of that movie played on the big screen. Oh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Seriously, it really is. Uh, I was at a theater here in New York, and the people waiting, we're all waiting in this waiting room. And and like we're all there for 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 Colorado Space, and everybody was just it was either Lovecraft or more. Most people were there for for Stanley, and it was so good to see. Seriously, so good to see that. Yeah. But yeah, I mean it was. Stanley had a bitch of a thing. He dealt with one of the stories that that was always one of the biggest problems with getting into Lovecraft stories. He would talk about these unnameable, undescribable things. And it worked within the story. But then you got to adapt it in there. It's like the color, the horrible color, it burns. Yep. How are you going to represent that on a fucking film? <laughs> True. How are you going to do that? You know? That's a good question. And I love it when it really kicks in. It's not red. It's not purple. It's not pink. It's... It's something. Yeah, not sure it's what something, it is. But you 
and the scene about what happens right after the apocalypse in the barn with two mm-hmm. what happens to certain characters, Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that one elicited a real gasp from the audience. Yeah. Seriously. And people say that Cage goes over the top. No, he goes... He plays it Lovecraftian. Because <laughs> if you well, read the stories, motherfuckers... When motherfuckers go crazy in a Lovecraft story... They go fucking crazy. Yes. You know, I mean, it's like, oh, my God, my head. Feed your mother. Feed your mother. (laughs) And everybody is good in it. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I really, really thought that, you know, we're talking about, about Cage. I thought at the beginning that was a, you know, there was something wrong with the family, but it was still a loving family. And he played it pretty straight. It was only when, when, you know, the shit started happening that, and he even graded it. It's not like he went from... Normal to bat shit in ten seconds. Right? I'm right about yeah. that. You agree with me, right? Yeah. I thought he did an excellent job. I I seriously do. And you're right. It is an extremely gorgeous film. If you want to see how gorgeous it can be, just watch the first three minutes of it. With the narration and actually showing those creepy fucking trees, and it be point yeah. perfect to what the ways that Lovecraft described them. It's 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 a really good film, and and, and again, I'm just so happy that Stanley is back. With us, and I'm going to tell a bit of a story if I can, Stephen. Um, yeah, and it has to do with one of my favorite anthology films. So there was an anthology film about five, six years ago called mm-hmm. The Theater Bazaar, and and what happened was that Richard Stanley had uh, done this short film called Mother of Toads, and uh, the people came to him and uh, you know got it in the anthology. And so from looking at the anthology, then the producers of Mandy went over to him and started pitching the idea of doing a Lovecraft. And well, no, he already he, had his pitch together. They were looking backwards. They were looking for a Lovecraft film. Right, exactly. Okay, that's what it was. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, but but it's so so anyway. So you got this situation, uh, and he didn't believe him. They actually had to kidnap him. Yeah. <laughs> they kidnapped him. You know, I mean, this is a guy. 
that what what he went through with with uh, the Allen Doctor Moreau, I wouldn't and us uh, wish on anybody. Seriously, let's not just give it. Let's not give it up to uh, Allen Doctor Moreau. He had some hellish times on Dust Devil too. Yeah. Yeah, but at least he got through that. No. The quote no, Stanley it, said, it, this it, is the first time he felt like he's actually had control and made the movie he wanted. Right. Even with hardware, the MP, MPAA wrote his ass like, uh, well, wrote his ass very hard over fucking... Oh, absolutely. Five seconds. You know, Maybe it, longer. It, 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 Probably is. I think it's about it, five to 15 seconds. I'm not sure. It's funny how this all works. Um, but the one thing I did want to at least make a, a, a connection with is those people that love Stanley and love this movie please check out this little film called Theater Bazaar. Not only do you have uh, a Richard Stanley segment, you've got a Buddy Giovannazzo segment. You've got a Tom Savini segment. You've got a Lynn Ramsey segment. you got some good people in that. And and you got Udo Kier, who's opening up uh, this this week uh, in New York uh, in Berenthal. Which I will probably go see this week. Udo. So, there you go. And if you're a virgin, go see any of Richard Stanley films you can get your little mitts on. Just make sure that Dust Devil is the longest cut you can possibly watch. Right. And Dust Devil, we did a watch of that a couple of years ago, you and I. Uh we cannot recommend the Stanley film higher. I I like Hardware a lot, but to me, his 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 masterpieces is uh, still Dust Devil, even with Color Out of Space, which I really really like too. I think Dust Devil is no, his masterpiece. No, I would say the Color Out of Space is better than Dust Devil, and that's the way it should be. Well, I tell you what, it's it's a real, real close call. Yeah, but for you me. know what I mean. I know what you mean, but you know what? But we shouldn't have you to, have to wait fucking psych- thirty years for a third fucking movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, you have a point there. But you know what? There's always Sarkasmo Kai and Robert John Burke, who yeah. are both just fucking fantastic and. and oh God, yeah. I actually played and, just with Sakaz uh, Mokai. So never yeah. mind. Go ahead. And yes, you can watch uh, the making of Violent Dr. Moreau documentary on Netflix. But the reason I'm not talking about that much is that it rehashes. It's. All the information on it you can find easy online. It's a great movie, but mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, but but color out of space, man. And, and what's what? Uh, um, 
what special stuff is on on the uh, uh, on the uh, DVD or the Blu-ray that you got? Uh, deleted scenes and uh, making of. Okay. From what I heard, Arrow's putting out a version in the UK that's going to be pretty fucking solid and tight. Nice. But either way, nice. you can get it for fifteen dollars or nine, or rent it for like eight bucks. It's worth rent. Just, just do it. Just do it. Do it. Do it. Absolutely. Yeah, makes me want to break out the Arnold Schwarzenegger voice. I forget what movie it's from, where he goes, "Do it." <laughs> <laughs> do it. And I was going to watch back. Gal Adamson doc and rent that this weekend. It was three dollars, but I watched the trailer. Okay. It focuses too much on how he died. Well, you know what? There, the, the thing about Al Adamson, that doc is part of this, the the uh, box set that's coming out of all his movies. Yeah. So, you know, buy that. Actually, no, I would tell people not to buy that. $191? <laughs> oh, Jesus, I didn't know it was that expensive. Good God. Yeah, it's $191 freaking dollars. No fucking way. <laughs> Lone Wolf and Cub set, 50 fucking dollars. Five movies. Yeah. No, six movies. All five original movies and Shogun Samurai. Uh, the Godzilla set, $100. And how many fucking movies yep. do you get with that son of a bitch? Oh, good God. Yeah. Ton. I love you, Severin, but value to cost. Value to cost. Yeah, you know the one I'd like to get is the Satyoshi set from Criterion. That one's 150. Yeah, but how many movies is in that sucker? Right. <laughs> I think about 40. <laughs> 30 to 40. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, if we was rich, the big the big box sets I'll buy probably will be Lone Wolf and Cub and Zatoichi. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And Arrow's putting out a comprehensive camera set next year. Nice. Nice. Yeah, That's I good mean, to hear. How much? Wasn't the Cassavetti set just about $100 when Criterion put I, it out? Uh, back in the day, okay, when I bought that set, it was 80 It was seventy nine ninety five. And how many movies were in that son of a bitch? Six. Only six. But it's well worth it. Isn't that about all of his well, stuff? All of his... No, isn't no, that not even close. What? Not even close. Uh, Paris Blues isn't in there. Uh, 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 Big Trouble's not in there. A uh, number of things are not in there. But Shadows it's is not there. Studio stuff. 
Yeah, but none of those are studio stuff that I mentioned. None of those are studio. Yeah, but well, Paris Columbia Blues was. I think that's big trouble. Mm-hmm. Remember, that's not the big trouble that was uh, the, 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 the Dave, uh, uh, what's his name, Home Improvement. That's not the Home Improvement one. I know, it's the one with Peter Falk. Right, exactly. Columbia put that out back in the day. Oh, okay. And, uh, I'm, like I said, I'm amazed they got Killing of a Chinese Bookie. Oh, man, I love that movie. And opening night, too, is just amazing. Yeah. And, of course, uh, Regina Rollins, uh, uh, the one where she's, uh, has has the mental disease. What's the a woman under the influence? Yeah, Amazing. like I said, his what when I say non studio, I mean stuff that he two hundred percent owned. Yeah. Which means no Gloria, no love streams, no <laughs> Yep. No big trouble. Man, I love Gloria. I fucking love Gloria. Has Love Streams come out ever on a disc? Not that I know of. Not that I know of. I'm not sure about that, but I don't think so. Yeah, it's canon film. Right. Which is another reason I hated the canon documentary. Oh, those fucking Jews, they just made shitty movies. Fuck you! (laughs) Yeah, really. They made a goddamn Godard movie. They made a goddamn uh, Casavetti film. They made Runaway Train. Why? Because they love those kind of movies. Yeah. That has to be one of my favorite stories of Golan Globus. He walked up to Cassavetes and said, I want you to make a film with me. Cassavetes like, why? I want my own fucking Cassavetes movie. <laughs> and Cassavetes looked up like, okay. Yeah. I can work with that. But how much of a film geek does that make them does that bring out, you know? <laughs> I want no, my fucking good films, you know? Yeah. Because Godard's King Lear is a very weird fucking movie. Uh, to say the least. But another film that I watched this weekend is uh, Guns Akimbo with uh, Harry Potter. Daniel Radcliffe as a asshole troll who lives to go out and troll, but he trolls the wrong people in this uh, underground illegal fighting thing where this guy's got it set up where uh, psychos go around killing each other with guns. So he goes on their website one night and talks shit, so the guy in charge of schism decides fuck you, and gets his uh, IP address and goes to his house and kidnaps him and bolts two guns to his hand and says, okay, you have to kill our best killer or else you're going to get killed. (laughs) And yes, it covers things that most movies where it's like, oh, 
how many action films have you seen where someone's like, my hand's replaced with a gun and stuff like that? And they don't deal with things like, what would it be like to piss with two guns with both into your hands and you don't have free hands? <laughs> <laughs> or pick up a phone. There you or go. put your pants on. Without uh, shooting door. your nuts off. <laughs> yeah. That's one of the funniest scenes in the movie. He's like, he's reaching down there to take his dick out the piss, and he's like, <laughs> That is funny. It's wacky, That's silly, funny. fun. It's the kind of film you want to see with a goddamn group of people, you know. Yeah. I can see that. I but it that. is actually very fun. And it's a blast. It's 90 minutes. It doesn't overstay there. And Samara Weaving is badass as usual. He was in that one, That's Ready or good. Not, about that bride with the rich family that ends up having to kill uh, the bride, the youngest bride, the youngest son. So she has to basically spend the whole night not getting killed. <laughs> you know, the yep. one that happened. Standing in the the posters, her standing there in the wedding gown with the double barrel shotgun. <laughs> it's just yep. fun, and it doesn't go where you expect it to go either. Good. They're always fun. We we like movies like that. We do. But yeah, just we going do. back. I mean, I I would love to see a good documentary on Al Adamson, but one that doesn't focus so much on his the way he fucking died. Yeah. True. Very true. I mean that that's been but, overdone. We all know that story, or at least it's yeah. it's very easy to find out the information. Let's put it that way if yeah. you don't know the story. We had Gary Kent, one of Al Adamson's best friends on the show. We didn't even ask him about that. No, we didn't. Not by a long time. Like, yeah, we're going to pass on that. We're going to pass on the story about that. And Gary's like, yeah. good. <laughs> you can find it out easy, but... I might rent it sometime when it's cheaper than $3.99 when it's free. Yeah, there you go. Oh, and the other new one I seen this week was uh, David Lynch's new short, What Did uh, Jack Do? Okay. You need to see this, man. <laughs> I've, I've heard. The, here's the setup of the film. Uh... Uh, a homicide detective interrogates a monkey on the train. Okay. And that's it. David Lynch is a homicide detective interrogating a monkey on the train. The dialogue's like free association. And it is hilarious. Good. Yeah, like, yeah uh, does the monkey me? talk? Does the monkey yes. talk? Yes. Okay. They put like a human mouth on it, clutch cargo style. 
<laughs> oh, okay, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it has lines like, you want to dance with me, pal? Well, guess what? The bar's closed. The band's <laughs> packed up. And the janitor's outside standing with a whore. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly <laughs> Okay. Or I w- if I was in a circus and if I was a horse, even you wouldn't believe how during the three years I was married to my first wife, how hard she rolled my ass. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And it deals with the monkey uh, having an affection for chickens, too. (laughs) Okay. Like Gonzo. (laughs) Yeah. It's weird, but it's just played so straight for comedy that it doesn't go into his usual weirdness, you know. Okay. He's like, are you trying to say I'm out kill? Are you trying to say that I would lay with a chicken? I might say something. He said, you could say that. I just did. <laughs> that shot me because I was just thinking that. He just did. And then it's only 16 minutes, but God. <laughs> Sounds like fun. Oh, Oh, and speaking of, they're rolling out uh, the Elephant Man again later this year. I heard that, yes. They're coming back with the Elephant Man. You've seen it back in the day. Is that one you need to see on the big screen? Absolutely. You know, that's the nice thing about being in New York. You you get all these things. You, You won't get them in Knoxville more than likely. Central? Maybe. Yeah, don't don't forget we got Central now. <laughs> yeah, but he can't get everything. He tries. He tries. Well, God, he tries. They try. <laughs> nice. Like this weekend, they're showing uh, Guns Akimbo. A comic book store sponsoring Superman, the first Superman, and that one mystery at something that has uh, some Canadian director as a podcaster. Okay. Some David guy. <laughs> David Cronenberg. I heard about or, that. Yeah. I want to see that. Yeah. That's funny. If they were Cronenberg directing the movie, me and Carl, yeah, we got to see that. It might be good. It might be one of his better ones. David Cronenberg is an actor. Holy shit. We need to see that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Without a doubt. Because not only is he a hell of a director, he's a hell of an actor, too. <laughs> yeah, he is. Without a doubt, he is. He he stole Nightbreed from the main guy. I'm sorry. (laughs) 
Oh, without a doubt. And that's another one we did a live watch of. And if you watch, if you uh, go back to listen to that episode, you'll hear a lot of, God damn, is Cronenberg good? God damn. <laughs> true. Very true. Very true. Now, if you notice earlier, we tabled that. And Carl called what uh, Robin Williams did homage. And I say he's a big fucking thief because it was well known in the comic industry that almost any comic who was on stage doing their stuff, Carl. Right. If Robin Williams walked in the building, immediately they stopped their set and walked off stage. Okay. That's how bad of a joke thief he was. Uh, Well, not as bad as Dennis Leary, but... No, worse. No, I don't think so. What Dennis did to Bill Hicks was. Oh, he stole his entire fucking act. Yeah. Who was it that wasn't it Belter or was who was it that said "No Cure for Cancer" is the best fucking album that Bill Hicks ever made? Oh yeah, it was Belter. It was definitely Belter. Yep, it was Belcher. Yeah, and Dennis Leary, basically, didn't he have to come up and admit that that whole album was Bill Hicks? No, he's never admitted it. He's never admitted it. I mean, in fact, he's walked out of uh, of um, interviews because of it. Now, I'll give, I'll give Dennis Leary one thing. When it comes Absolutely. to writing for TV... I think he, he he's a he's a decent writer. Yeah. Uh, uh, and he had a, he had a good persona in that, but you know, there's a difference between stealing a joke and stealing a whole fucking act. Yeah. You know, and the, the one thing I will say, hold on, Steve. One thing I'll say about that is that everybody, and, and, and any any comic will tell you this, you know, they will take jokes that they've heard and rework them in terms of what makes it unique to them. But if you go back to the Borscht Belt, you go back to... Uh, you know, we were talking about Rodney Dangerfield, and we're talking about all those guys. You know, Milton Berle. They stole jokes constantly. Oh, God, yeah. It's the same joke. They wouldn't even change it. And, and, and it was whoever got over the hump, you know, someone like Burl or someone like... like uh, um, Henny Youngman. Uh, uh, yeah, Henny Youngman. You know, then it was their joke. It was nobody else's joke. It was their joke. So let's not, you know, don't don't be too hard on Robin Williams. You know, because I'll tell you one thing about Williams. I think as far as 
the quickness is involved and the ability to go into different voices and different personas and just just having that mind where you could do that quick, you know, bounce off of one thing and go on to another. It's pretty fucking amazing. And the only other person or, who comes close to that is Jonathan Winters. And they were very quote, close friends. Another quote from Belzer. Robin Williams was a hell of a lot funnier on stage when he was doing cocaine. <laughs> well, you know what? He survived cocaine. Okay? Yeah. And once you survive something, you rethink everything. So, yeah. Talk to anyone who's... Yeah, but who's, if you look uh, at any of his sets, he was definitely on coke when he did that uh, set on... Uh, the Rodney Dangerfield show. I mean, oh, it was hell. like a pinball. Bing, 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 oh, just there's bing, no bing. question of it. Yeah. I mean, it's like, do 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 You know, and that that's very true. And he and and I would not, you know, all that early stuff. Yeah, there's no question. I think he was on coke, and that includes Mark and Mindy. One of the funniest things that Robin Williams really ever said is, like, he said most comedians were telling him when he was doing that stuff, you know, slow down, joke, joke, laugh, wait for them to laugh. And I'm like, I'm like, joke, joke, fuck you, keep up. (laughs) True. But it's funny how each of these... Uh, Go ahead. Finish up. I've seen some great sets that are pretty much ruined because the comic waits for the laugh to die down. Mm-hmm. And you, again, timing is everything in comedy. Timing is everything. And and you got you know you should wait for a laugh, but you shouldn't wait too long. How long is long? Do you wait until it it starts dying down, or what do you do? And you have to get a rhythm, and you have to understand what your internal rhythm is. And and it's it's very difficult. It's very difficult. I mean, talk to Mark Scheffler sometime about it. You know, I we mean, did. Mark, Mark is our two shows. Listen to them; they're yeah. great. We've done two or three shows with Mark. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's very very difficult. So for 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 Robin. That the speed that he had, he demanded the audience catch up, which is a good thing because that was his internal rhythm, you know, with cocaine or without. It doesn't really matter. That was his internal rhythm. You know, you take a look at someone like Hicks, it's a whole different rhythm and it's a whole different uh, style, much more confrontational, you know. What was it Hicks said? I may be an asshole. I may piss you off, but you're going to laugh. No, that wasn't him. He didn't care if you laughed. He didn't fucking care. Yeah, that's why you know, he said that. You know, it's like, yeah, I may be an asshole. I may piss you off, but you're going to laugh. So I win. <laughs> you know, he, he demanded his audience to be smart. And he pointed out all the the crap that made us stupid. And he pissed off a lot of people. 
My favorite, my favorite, Bill Hicks. She tells the story of he did a, uh, he was down in Arkansas, did a routine. These guys come up to him and say, hey, buddy, we don't like what you said. We're Christians. We don't like what you said. Just looks at him and says, well, then, forgive me. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah. Ouch. That's 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 like a kick in the fucking groin. Yeah. Seriously. And that is the biggest difference between back then and today. Back then is like, have I offended you? Good. Good. Nowadays, yeah. have I offended you? I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, we got to get away from that. You gotta keep offending people seen, because it's the way to shake them Have you seen up. that article? I don't think you have, but where it's talking about this woman did a review of a Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Heart Club band, and she said that the Beatles made it because they wanted males to dominate rock, and they didn't want the females to enjoy it anymore. What? Yes. No, let me explain to you why they did Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. They were all fucking high. No, it's caused pet sounds. <laughs> Beach Boys created this fucking masterpiece of the studio, and they were like, ooh, we want to do that. But trying to say that the, the article basically said they were trying to alienate their female bubblegum fans who like to dance. Oh, for crying out fucking loud. Basically, they're saying you and the rock that you liked, Carl. Yeah. Hate women. And you hate music that lets women and gays and blacks dance. So... Your music tastes are racist and misogynistic. Well, I would happen to disagree with that wholeheartedly. Of course, I would do that stupid. Wendy you know, O'Williams. It, 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 uh, it, it, it hurts my brain, uh, yeah. Stephen. It hurts my brain. Seriously. Now, look at what we did on Friday. You know, and and we did uh, the whole punk rock thing. You know, I mean, yeah. there there are people that come up and and say, you know, punk rock is 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 racist and sexist. Well, some of it certainly is, but a lot of it is not. And plus, women were were there too. I mean, I can just think, uh, what's her name that did rock and roll? Uh, N-I-G-G-A. Joan Jett, well, Joan Jett, Susie from Susie and the Banshees. Yeah, Susie and the uh, Banshees, Patty Smith. Patty Smith. Video Williams. And of course, my goddess, my goddess, Nina Hagen. Yeah, Nina Hagen. Even Deborah Harry would just slap the shit out of that woman for saying that. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, the runaways, too. you got to put them in yeah. here. 
which of course is Joan Jett's first first band. But it's just yeah. sad that we've gotten to that level. Well, I understand the Me Too, and I understand the sense that we can't be uh, uh, prejudiced. But art is art gets a pass. It's just like you know, someone says that that uh, uh, Blazing Saddles is racist and can't be made today. Have you watched the fucking movie? It's anti-racist. Yeah. Art is a blind man in the elephant situation. Every argument that you can say for something is valid. Yeah. And every argument that you can say against it is valid. Yeah. Does that mean one argument rises above another? No, it's your personal... It's your personal... Yeah. Perspective that that colors all that. And I would right? fight for anyone's perspective. Yeah. Very true. Very true. Yeah, I mean, how so many what? comedians were like that? I mean, they go up on stage, they say their opinions, and go, boo. Oh, several, including me. I tried a couple of times. <laughs> yeah, nope. I mean, Bill Hicks said once, I think he said, I forget which comedian said it, he said, someone come up to me and said, your set sucked because it didn't agree with what I thought. And I said, And the comedian said, good, because that means you have thoughts. Yeah. Yeah, the difference is opinion are actually good. Yeah. But what what can we do, Stephen? You were just about to say. Yeah. You said one thing we can do. Oh, you you lost your thought then. Okay, sorry. Oh, the one thing that you can do to piss me off more than anything is to have an opinion. But before you say it, say, I'm sorry. Never be be sorry for your opinion. Even if yeah, it's stupid. Do you think Steve would ever be but, sorry for any of his opinions? <laughs> no. But the thing is, but be open enough to hear somebody else's opinion and adjust. Yeah. Seriously. And, and, and in these days, look at the facts. I know so many people think there aren't facts, but there are facts out there. Not just fake news and fake opinions. Yeah, there are real facts out there. You know, I it's verify why... every swing I do. Okay, I verify every swing. You can verify, you verify it twice. Is it twice or three yeah. times you verify it? Twice at least. 
I need at least two. I prefer three, but I need at least two verifiable uh, sources for a shorn. Yeah. And I know the fake news sites out there, too. Yeah, it's like the difference between the Invisible Man, which they tried to call a Me Too movie, which it isn't. We had thrillers like that all the time back in the 80s and 90s, you know? But we haven't seen it yet. From what I understand, it's, it, it, it really does push that. Again, we haven't it's, seen it, so we don't know. It's no... Bl- we won't no, know until we see it. Pushes it. This one, no. Don't forget the the Black Christmas that came out about about three or four months ago. It's about a group of girls who are terrorized by a group of misogynistic frat boys who don't want women to have free thoughts and free minds. So the end is is that they destroyed the the patriarchy and destroys a male evil male influence. It's like the difference mm-hmm. between Gloria Steinem and what her name that shot fucking Andy Warhol. Okay. Alien Soranos and her scum manifest. It's the difference between Gloria Steinem's feminist manifesto. And the scum manifesto. Right, okay. Should I explain to the listeners what the scum manifesto was? No, you can, you can go ahead and, 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 and explain that. What it was is she wrote a manifesto saying that all men should be castrated and killed because they're male. And that the male traits in them cause them to be worthless as human beings and they should be exterminated for the betterment of the race. Betterment of the human race. Lovely. You know about her. You know the one who shot Andy Warhol. Oh, of course. Because because yeah. what's her name uh, was... Uh, uh, forget who who was the... Uh, sorry, Lily that, Taylor. Uh, she was in Mystic in Pizza. Yeah, Lily Taylor. There we go, Lily Taylor. It's a good movie, not as good as it could have, but like I said, you seen the movie and you didn't even know the details of what what it showed her writing the scum manifesto. Uh, but yeah, it didn't go into details of what it was. No, right, right, exactly. And Gloria Steinem was a hardcore. It's sad that we've moved into Andrea Dworkin territory where all men are evil. Yep. That's a whole different can of beans. I mean, it's a good movie. I shot Andy Warhol from the 90s. It's pretty good, isn't it, Carl? Yes, it is. It's very good. But what I want to get into is... uh, Movies, when does uh, it go from homage into plagiarism? Like, we can talk about the first film that was sued out, that was sued, and basically told to be every print of it destroyed, and that would be F. Murnau's Nosferatu. It was basically from 
they, he wanted to do an adaption of Dracula, but Bram Stoker, well, back then film was considered uh, a stupid thing, you know. Right. So they wouldn't give him the rights. So he just made the movie anyway. And the Bram Stoker estate sued him, even though it had a completely different ending from the book. And there's, if you didn't know that it was based on Dracula, would you know that Nosferatu was an adaption of Dracula? Well, I, I think you'd get that to a certain degree. Yeah, to a certain degree, but there's enough differences. Yeah. True. And that would be plagiarism, because he basically, that's what the court sued. But then you get in the 1979 Stephen King's Salem's Lot miniseries, and the look of Mr. Barlow in it. That's the homage to Nosferatu, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, I would but definitely agree with that. We watch exploitation films. We love we, exploitation films. <laughs> well, we watch exploitation films in the six late in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. If you didn't, if you watch exploitation films in the 60s, 70s, 80s, and you haven't seen one ripoff, then you haven't watched exploitation films in the 60s and 80s. Yeah, you're so right about that. <laughs> but to those, it was like looking at five guitarists playing the same guitar solo. Mm -hmm. You know where I'm going with this, don't you? Yeah, I do know where you're going with this. Every guitarist is going to add their own little flourishes, their own style to it. Right. Like Frank Zappa, you could probably watch five, listen to five different recordings of the same song live, and each of them would be different, wouldn't they? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Very true. Like that insane Great. box set of hot rats that came out this year. Yeah, I, I, I got to listen to some of that. It was really yeah. cool. I'm glad. I mean, you could just listen to a song, each of the songs blossom, couldn't you? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I, and the part you probably love is like, and this is where the exploitation director came in, is like, okay, on this one, take B, play it a little higher, play C a little lower. Right, Carl? Right. Yeah. I mean, it's like when Roger Corman had the nurses, you've seen all of these fucking, well, no, it started with the stewardesses, which was a 3D film, which is 
a very boring fucking film. <laughs> yeah, but I love those films. I friggin' love those films. Seriously. Yeah. You got the stewardess films, and then you got the student teacher films, and then you got the nurses. Oh, yeah. And then you got the one Al Adamson did, Blazing Stewardesses. I wonder what movie that was supposed to be trying to rip off just by (laughs) trying to confuse people with the title. Right. What film would it be, Carl? (laughs) I would think that would have to be um, perhaps uh, Blazing Saddles. Yeah, you would see that a lot, title rip-offs, where they just try to confuse you. Mm-hmm. Like uh, the cannibal films. Right. Cannibal Apocalypse, Cannibal Ferox, Cannibal Holocaust, Cannibal Terror. Yeah. You know, create enough confu- create enough confusion in titles so people would go in and see their movies, and we didn't care. Yeah, we just wanted more. Uh, Smokey and the Bandit. Smokey and the Bandit. Smokey is the Bandit. Smokey and the Good oh, Time you know, Boy. Smokey and the Bandit and Cannonball Run. You know, or well, what was the Run, one that Carradine that was based back. on? Because Cannibal uh, Run... Oh, Cannibal Rally is what I'm thinking of. Never mind. Sorry. Yeah, you're right. But we can go back. Like, uh, the original was Paul Bartel's Cannonball. Right, that's it. Yeah. And then we got the Gumball Rally. And then we got Cannibal Run, which was a sequel to both (laughs) Cannonball and the Gumball Rally. Very true. See, that's the kind of stuff that we had to deal with back then. We had to have like a mathematical equation to try to explain the movie connections of the exploitation films back then. And we didn't even complain about it? No, not at all. Of course they ran them into the ground, the same as Bloomhouse's complaint. Oh, the horror films are going to die out. No, they're not. They're going to mutate. Yeah, it's called the fly. <laughs> Seriously. Well, yeah, you can do that. Oh, Definitely. Like, look at the difference between the fly the original and the fly the remake. It mutated into two different beasts altogether. Yeah. Absolutely. The only genre I've ever seen that really was killed dead, and it's still around but barely, is the Western. Yep. But then you were around in the 60s where there were like uh, 20 Western shows a week, uh, Western Theater, John Wayne Theater. Oh, yeah. Your dad must have been like a pig in shit back then. Oh, my God. That's a fucking lootling. 
Seriously. But that's the only time I've really seen them really dry kill a genre to death, you know. Yep. Because there was no way for the Western to mutate. No. Action films, they can mutate easily. Yep. Sci-fi. Oh, absolutely. You can do comedy, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. In the horror film, definitely. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, Absolutely. we didn't have, let's see, we had nurses' exploitation in the 70s, women in prison movies. Oh, absolutely. Love my WIP movies. exploitation. By the way, talking about Pam Greer very quickly, I, I posted a really fine article on her that was on in the New Yorker. Uh, and I posted it at ISF, too. So definitely check that out. Or go to the New Yorker and find the article, man. It's friggin' brilliant. It's an uh, article and a, uh, an interview with her. So Yeah. Wasn't Pam the only female or only action star period who's so badass that they had their own genre of rip-offs? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, everybody uh, wanted their own Pam Greer, so we got Tamara Dobson. We got, uh, what's her name for Black Belt Jones? Uh, Gloria oh, Henry. Uh, Gloria Henry. Yeah, we even had a Pam Greer TV show. Yes, we did. Get Christy Love. Yeah. Even though that show sucked. Well, you know, I mean, you you can say that sucked. I'm not saying I'm not saying you're wrong, but I kind of liked it back <laughs> then in the day. Oh, it's just like the Mod Squad. It was probably cool back in the day, and I like Police Woman back in the day. I don't know if I can watch it now. Yeah, true. And look at how many Dog Day Afternoon ripoffs you got when it came out. Yeah. The quirky heist film, you know. Absolutely. And, of course, what we call the Cassavetti School of Filmmaking. Let's see. Oh, which one had the bigger amount of ripoffs? Rosemary's Baby, The Exorcist, or The Omen? I think The Exorcist, actually. Yeah. I think The Exorcist. You couldn't even run anywhere without running into a fucking exorcist ripoff. <laughs> True. Even though some of them are fucking great just on a stupid level. Oh, absolutely. But I know absolutely. which one I would consider the best of the exorcist uh, knockoffs. Okay. Alucarda. Yeah, but you and I argue about that because I don't think that's an exorcist ripoff. I think that's a non-sportation film. 
You you and I argue about that constantly. Yeah. And that's okay. But there is definitely exorcist in there. And the reason we can't pin down nunsploitation is the king is the most important film of the nunsploitation genre. It's pretty much inaccessible legally nowadays. Yeah, and that would be The Devils by by Ken Russell. Russell, yeah. That would be, yeah, unfortunate. But that's the way it goes sometimes. Hopefully someone will have the cojones to, to release that uncut sometime. Seriously. They have. They've shown it over in B. England, but it's Warner U.S. that won't let them do it, so we've got the uncut, U.K. uncut. Yep. And maybe there is an illegal Blu-ray of it out there that's fucking gorgeous. Yep. I don't know anyone who owns it, but if they did, their review would be, it looks just like a brand new print from the uh, back in the day. Yep. And it's the English uncut, which means no rape of Christ scene. Uh, oh, that sucks. Yeah. Which is really one of the most the bad important scenes in the movie. True. You get to see the ones who consider themselves the moral ones be nothing but blaspheming a church. And then you see the one they considered a heretic taking communion mass out in the middle of the countryside. Right. That that was always that's why the devils is uh was dangerous is that it could take the sacred and the profane and really respect them both. Really do something. Yeah. You're right about that actually. Very good point. Because the devils is not anti religion. No, not at all. Not at all. But, and then we got the Kung Fu films, which, God, Bruce exploitation. Oh, good God. <laughs> yeah. Bruce Lee, Bruce Lee, Bruce Lee, Bruce Lowe, Bruce Lee, 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 Lee. <laughs> Sounds like Solfege. Do yeah. Remy Paso Latito? No. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. And then there was Jackie Lee. Uh, Jackie Lee was a great singer. Seriously. No, that's, that's probably the wrong tried... Jackie Lee, but nonetheless. Yeah. That's the name they tried to put uh, on Jackie Chan. Right. And then there was Dragon yeah, no. Lee. Jim Dragon yeah, Kelly. Was. Yep. 
Yeah. But you know you what? Run, you couldn't that, watch a kung fu film in the mid seventies without the word dragon on. being in the motherfucking title. Okay, but but hold on. The the, the thing about the Bruce Lee exploitation stuff, the the Lee for, uh, Bruce exploitation, some of it is just so fucking wacky. It's just like, what kind of drugs were these people on? Let's let's put um, Bruce Lee and uh, Hitler and uh, let's see Superman together in a movie. Yeah, okay, sounds good oh, to me. Oh, that film is fucking amazing. <laughs> Have you got to see that one, Carl? I've seen bits and pieces of it. I've not seen the whole thing, but oh my fucking god. Carl scratched the surface. It's Bruce Lee, Indiana Jones, Popeye, <laughs> and I forget who else, versus James Bond, Dracula, and a couple of other guys in hell. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just one of them. There are other ones out there. Just as insane as that. Though that's the most oh, insane, God. I think. I've got a Bruce Lee set, man, that has the Japanese animation where Bruce Lee comes back from the heavens as a demon and fights uh, Japanese demons and turns into a giant Bruce Lee and fights a Godzilla. <laughs> now that, I, I, yeah, that's beautiful. <laughs> and don't forget the clones of Bruce Lee. Which has Bruce Lee, Bruce Lee, and Dragon Lee together as five clones of Bruce Lee who are supposed to avenge his death. (laughs) God. Oh, Lord. It was trash, but it was fun trash. Oh, absolutely. They're, they're, They're wonderful fun trash. There's nothing wrong with fun trash. Yeah. In fact, there's everything right with it if you do it right. Seriously. Yeah, if you do it right. So, so Stephen, where else are we going here? Well, we could. Well, we'll just go go real quick. Here, the other big ones were, uh, like I said, Smokey and the Bandit exploitation, which is, you're lucky you didn't get a lot of these up north because they pretty much sucked. Like I said, Smokey and the Bandit, Smokey and the Good Times Boy, Smokey captures them all. Yeah, yeah, I don't know those. Now, I know a lot of the the, the Moonshine ones, but not the Smokey ones. Oh, the Moonshine ones, yeah. Moon Runners, uh, Walking Tall. Yeah. Moon Runners, yeah, all of those. They're wonderful. Yeah, but of all the Bruce exploitation films, the ones that the one that I love the most is probably Black Belt Jones. That's a really good one. If you haven't seen Black Belt Jones, you haven't lived. Well, Fine's like that motherfucker is throwing his pennies at me. <laughs> yeah, and the classic. Who hit me, bad man, motherfucker? That one's good, but I don't know if it's as good as, what are you doing? I'm holding on your hand. My hand's up here, you dumbass. Oh. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> Black Milt Jones is just pure fun. You got Scatman Crothers as a fucking kung fu master. I and know he's wonderful. Was one of Carl's favorite lines ever. Jones yeah. looks at her and goes, "Do those dishes." So she pulls out a thirty-eight. Bam! Ba bam! Ba bam! Ba bam! The dishes are done. Motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah, you had the women in prison films, which lasted scarily into the 80s. Those lasted longer than I thought they did. Oh, you know, we were we were talking the other night on, on Reform School Girls. Yeah. That, That's that mid-80s. Happened, yeah. That's a film that should have been better than it was. Yeah, I agree. When I heard Sybil Danning was the one giving all the trouble on the set, not Wendy O. Williams, because the original ending was supposed to be Sybil Danning and Wendy O. Williams in a fight to the death. Okay. But Sybil Danning took a piss, piss fit, and they had to rechange the whole ending, which is why it makes no fucking sense. Yeah, it's a shame. There's some good parts in it, though. Yeah, we talked about all of the, last week, all of the Death Wish rip-offs and things like that. In the 80s, the last two big ones we got in the 80s were the Conan the Barbarian rip-offs, which, as much as I love John Milius and the first Conan the Barbarian, Albert Pewin's The Sword and the Sorcerer is like 200 times better. Well, we love Albert Penn. Seriously, Don't do. you agree that the Sword and the Sorcerer is better than the first Conan movie? Yeah, actually I do. Richard I do. Lynch is the evil king. Uh, what's his name who played Bull? Uh, Richard I'm Maul. Like, Richard Maul is the fucking devil himself. Lee Horsley with a three-bladed sword, sword that two of them shoot out like fucking bullets. <laughs> yeah. How can you touch that? And then we got all yeah. the Mad Max ripoffs, which some of them are oh, good, God. some of them are not. <laughs> oh, good Lord. There's hundreds of them. Uh, they're almost all Italian. <laughs> Yeah, Just saying. if I was going to pick the best, it would probably be uh, 1990 The Bronx Warriors, which is a bizarre film because not only is it Escape from New York ripoff, it's a Road Warrior ripoff and a Warriors ripoff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you go, you, we might as well throw everything into the blender and see what comes out. Um yeah. I tell you and, what one of my favorites is, and, and and of course there's a reason for this, and I'm sure you'll figure it out. Uh, World Gone Wild. Is you that, know that the one? one with your girl in it? Well, not only my girl. Uh, one of my guys. Who? Bruce Dern. Oh, Bruce Dern, yeah. Yeah. Wonderful film. 
and 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 out there. Seriously, out there. And my other two big favorites are uh, After the Fall of New York, which is fucking great. Yes, I I happen to agree with you on that one. And the one you won't agree with me on. Okay. Rats, Nights of Nights of Terror. No, I'm no, no. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> Rats. No. How can you not like a movie where a guy gets a bucket of dump bucket of rats dumped on his head, and then they accidentally drop the bucket on the poor guy's face? <laughs> True. True. And there's always the new, also the new Gladiators. That was Fred the Hammer Williamson is a lot of those. Yeah. Like in 1999, the Bronx War, he plays like a gang leader who runs around with a flowing cape and a sword. But yeah, it seemed once VHS kicked in, that era of Italian and exploitation insanity ripoff died. And then Tarantino came along and they always said, oh, he rips off everything. No. You know, he, it's homages. It, it, listen, the whole thing about ripoffs and what we're talking about is. If you take something and make it your own, you can acknowledge that you took something before, but it's your own. And and uh, Reservoir Dogs, you could say that he took it from Ringo Lamb, and that's fine, okay? But you know what? That's his own movie. Period. And plus, Dialogue, Dogs, everything is, is pure Tarantino. A city on fire. Say that again? Reservoir Dogs is 200% better than City on Fire. City on Fire is a boring fucking movie. (laughs) I like City on Fire, okay? I do. But it is different. It's much different. Come on. You see remakes and rethinkings all the time. Yeah. You know, for, 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 okay, Shakespeare movies... Are we, are, you know, and if they do something, you know, like, like Paul Mazursky's Tempest or they do uh, an update, you know, <clears throat> uh, Macbeth PA, for example, are those yeah. rip-offs? No. no they, they even have a term for it, remember? Right. Shakespearean. Yeah. yeah. And let's but not forget our favorite uh, Shakespeare rip-off. Okay. Mixed Blood. Oh, God, I love that movie. Yeah. I'm sorry I don't look so pretty now. (laughs) This is Carmen Miranda. She is a fucking revolutionary goddess. (laughs) (laughs) I saw that in the theater. I fucking fell in love with that movie. Yep. Even VHS, you had to rip off, but I don't know why genre fans nowadays are complaining, oh, all these remakes, all these reboots, ah, da, da, da. 
We had the same goddamn things. We didn't bitch about it unless the movies totally sucked. And many of them did. Oh, God, yeah. And let's be honest. More of the original movies that they all want, what we got back then, the ones that weren't rip-offs or cash-ins, sucked a hell of a lot more than the fucking rip-offs. Oh, yeah. Like, give me Ruby, the bizarre exorcist ripoff. God. Over something like oh, the possession hey. of Joel Delaney. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. You know, when you do something that is low budget and, 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 and you got to work out how you're doing things and that sort of thing. You're flying a little bit on the seat of your pants. Sometimes those are the most interesting films. And certainly when you talk about somebody as good as Curtis Harrington doing Ruby and having Piper Laurie in there right after Carrie, God damn, yes. I mean, yeah. You don't have... You can't copy an idea from the past. But make sure to take it off the reservation and make it your fucking own, like VFW. It's just a modern version of Assault on Precinct 13, Mm -hmm. which was a modern version of Rio Lobo. Rio Bravo. Yeah, Yeah. Rio Bravo. Well, Rio Lobo and Rio Bravo are the same goddamn film. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> See, we even go there. <laughs> yeah. Trust there was me. Rio Lobo, Rio Conchero, and then Rio Bravo. And don't forget El Dorado, I think. Yeah. Too. Yeah, I think by then uh, John Wayne said, Howard, we've made this film three times before. Who gives a shit? <laughs> Well, yeah, VHFW takes the old ideas and just does something great with it and makes it badass. That's all you need to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, and to close out, did you hear what they're going to make a TV show of? No. Day is a Dead. I need to see a, a link on this. Give me a link. I'll look yeah. for it too. That yeah. could work. Especially that seriously do, could or, work. If they go go back to a Romero's original script, that could be a fucking TV show. Yeah, without a doubt. And do it right, please. No fucking soap opera like The Walking Dead. Give me a fucking break. Yeah. Do a limited well, series. Like do, a, do a season. And just do it right. Well, look at your show, Z Nation. It did four seasons and done. Yeah. And really good, too. That, that is by far the best of the zombie uh, TV shows. For me. I'm not saying, you know, I'm not denigrating people like Walking Dead. 
But to me, the fun of it, the 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 slight silliness, but yet you love the characters and love what they went through. And it through didn't overstay its welcome. Didn't overstay its welcome. Like, look at the difference between the Death Wish, which had five films, and eh, and the Dirty Harry series. The Dirty Harry series overstayed its fucking welcome. Yeah, it did. It changed Harry too much, I think. To be honest. Sudden Impact and a Deadpool sucked. I like. I kind of like Sudden Impact. Deadpool yeah, sucked. It's still good, I'm looking on that. The Deadpool. Yeah, Deadpool not good. When you get to the upper digits in your series, they're going to suck. <laughs> yeah. And we're wrapping it up here. And here's what's coming up soon on here. We're definitely this month, I promise you, we're going to be doing American Raspberry. <laughs> and since I've got uh, the... Roku device in my room and it works 200 times better in there we're probably going to do it will be on Tubi we'll have to deal with commercials but we'll probably want to do a Carl's Wish show and that will be the top of the heap of his films that he loves that's all I'm saying for now right you'd say that one that I'm hinting at is going to be the top of the heap of all of the films that you've been wanting to do well, I, I tell you, there is a film that not many people know, and I think it's one of the best and most unusual of the black exploitation films. And I no, really, really like it. And it goes, uh, well, it's cert- it's not normal. Yeah, and it's not Ganja and Hess. <laughs> no, but you know, it, it, have you seen it? Have you seen Top of the Heap yet? No, I need to. I'm going to. I'm going to pre- Okay, well, well, pre- the thing is, wait until we do it, because oh. to be a virgin and to see where this goes, you, you'll be surprised as hell. Trust me. Yeah, it's a film that needs to be seen. Yeah, Absolutely. we're doing American Raspberry, and next week we'll have an author, I forget his name, but... He wrote, has a book on David Warner coming out, and... Just talking about David Warner is just going to be. <laughs> oh yeah. Yep, we we love David Warner without a doubt. Yeah. One of the best damn decapitations ever. Oh, absolutely! Fantastic decapitation. Owen, oh, to really finish it up. What would you say to the people that try to say that the almond was an exorcist ripoff or a cash-in? No, that wasn't an exorcist at all. No. If anything, it's Rosemary's Baby. Yeah. It's, it's right. not exorcist, not at all. Not at all. And on the 18th at Central Cinema, they're going to be having a showing of Cannibal Holocaust. And I 
will be doing an interview, well, an interview to help promote it, pretty close to the showing. I know Carl won't be a part of it because he don't like that film, and I don't blame him. <laughs> no, no. You know, I'm not going anywhere close to that shit. Sorry. Yeah, there's certain films where, like, Carl, like I'm like, come on, man, come on, come on. No. And it's like, Cannibal Holocaust? No, I don't like that one. I'm like, understand. <laughs> no. no uh, yeah, oh, Simple Dwarf. Oh, oh, no. Oh. No. <laughs> and hopefully we'll keep seeing new movies so we can reveal them. Oh, absolutely. I'll, I'll be going to see something this week, I'm sure. And definitely see The Color of Space if you like Lovecraft or you just like good horror films or you just want to watch a Richard Stanley film. We'll watch or again. even Nicolas Cage. Yeah. Yeah, oh, do whatever. This is one of the rare appearances outside of After Hours and Yellowbeard where Tommy Chong isn't playing Tommy Chong. Oh, yeah. Yeah, i got to give Tommy Chong a, a, a nod to that, too. I forgot that. And with yeah. oh, we got some good news in the show. Carl has a we permanent church playing gig this time today. He signed his fucking contract. <laughs> yes, I did. Yes, I did. I am now Sunday organist for the Fifth Church of Christ Scientist in Midtown Manhattan. And don't think I'm making a lot of money because I'm not. But nonetheless, it's a regular gig. <laughs> And I'm happy about it. Very, very happy. Yeah. They like me, Stephen. They really like me. (laughs) And it might lead to more gigs, which leads to more money. Yeah. yeah. There's no question about that. We're going to work. I'm working it. Definitely working it. Yeah. And you're actually doing good. Well, I got to do better than this, but I'm working on it. It's coming. Oh, screw you. Screw you. Well, don't forget every boulder was a pebble when it started rolling down the hill and catching mud. That's it. That that Yeah, I understand that. I do understand that. Very much so. And with that, good night. Thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll see you the next time we show up. Absolutely. Uh, Steven, Is there anything going on good at DL or... Uh, uh, not Who's right that? now, not right now. Uh, we've got a show coming up next Friday. Uh, we're going to be doing a show. Adam's doing a show focusing on uh, Perry Mason, the TV series Perry Mason. So we're going to do that. Uh, and that's and next we're Friday. Doing, we're going to be doing a we're going to be doing a show later here on. This is close it out on Peter Falk. John Cassavetes and Ben Gazzara. Because of a certain title that Criterion announced uh, last week that Carl was excited about. Yes. Yep. And so we're going to do a show. What we're going to do is we're going to focus on we're we're going to focus on the stuff that's not a Cassavetes film and not Columbo. 
and what their best roles are. And, and, and I'm sure we'll talk about the Casavetti's film in Colombo too, but, but we want to focus more on some of the stuff you may not know they did. Marco Ferrari. So there you go. Marco Ferrari. Yep. And with that, good night, Godspeed, and I hope you enjoyed this weekend, and I'm glad Friday's show went off good for you, son. Thanks. I really appreciate the help on that, Stephen. Thank you very, very much. And, Antonia, if you're listening to this one, love you, cuz. All right? Who's Antonia? We had Sporky on the show on Friday. <laughs> Sporky. Okay. Her radio name is Sporky. I know her as Antonia. Uh, yeah, anyway. Sporky. Yeah, I am. Without a doubt. Uh, all right. <laughs> All right, good night, and thank you very much, Stephen, for everything. Good night. Good night, everybody.